0: What is the most valuable thing in the world to you? I'm sure that all of your answers would be very different one from the other. For some of us, it would be a spouse or a child. For others, a job, a career, a house, perhaps a new car. And maybe some of us are taken up with business or sports or even a habit that we just can't seem to give up for anything. Well, the Lord Jesus gives us a heavenly perspective on this question, and he wants us to imagine for a moment that we own the whole world. Now, that would be quite a thing, wouldn't it? To own the whole world and have everything at our disposal. Yet there is something that is of far greater value. Listen to his question tonight. What shall it profit you if you gain the whole world and lose your own soul? Yes, he considers your soul to be the most precious possession you have. Do you? Let's listen to evangelist Marvin Dirksen as he considers the question found in Mark chapter 8 and verse 36.
1: Mark's Gospel chapter 8. This would be a very well-known verse. Verse number 36, the words of the Lord Jesus. Well, let's read it, verse number 35. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the Gospels, the same shall save it. For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Chapter 9, verse 2, And after six days Jesus taketh with him Peter and James and John, and leadeth them up into a high mountain apart by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. His raiment became shining or glistering, exceeding white as snow, so as no fuller, no cleaner on earth can white them. And there appeared unto them Elias or Elijah with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. And Peter answered and said to Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three tabernacles, one for thee, one for Moses, one for Elijah. For he wist not what to say, for they were sore afraid. And there was a cloud that overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved son. Hear him. Down the chapter 2, verse number 30. And they departed thence and passed through Galilee, and he would not that any man should know it. For he taught his disciples and said unto them, The Son of Man is delivered into the hands of men, and they shall kill him. And after that he is killed, he shall rise the third day. But they understood not that saying, and were afraid to ask him. Down the chapter, verse number 42. Whosoever shall offend one of these little ones that believe in me, it is better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and he were cast into the sea. And if thy hand offend thee, cut it off. It is better for thee to enter into life maimed than having two hands to go into hell, into the fire that never shall be quenched. Where their worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. Similar statement, if thy foot offend thee, cut it off. Verse 47, if thine eye offend thee, pluck it out. It is better for thee to enter into the kingdom of God with one eye than having two eyes to be cast into hell fire, where their worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. I remember a number of years ago, we were having meetings. During the course of those meetings, I was asked to go to the major hospital in town to visit a young man who was dying of cancer. I recall going into that room and... I find those visits very, very difficult, especially when the individual is not saved, and I was told he he likely won't be very receptive. I said, well, I'll go anyway. And I went in, and I looked upon the face of a young man. He likely had a week or two to live. And as best I could, I tried to make him aware of what his need was and of what was ahead of him. It was difficult because I was well aware that I was really standing Figuratively, I was standing on the very brink of a vast eternity. From that very solemn place, I went at the food court at the mall and people were shopping and the music was playing and people were buying their coffee and their donuts. And there was just a, a buzz of conversation. And as I sat there drinking my coffee now, I just thought, what a big difference there is in up there and down here. One area was all concerned with eternal things. The other area was all concerned with temporal things. You know, tonight what we're doing is seeking to focus for you truths and values that involve eternity. We don't think in those terms very much, do we? This life and this world and this age is all geared to tide, to the now, to today. Eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. Forget about the future. Live for the moment is the watchword of this age. And it's been like that for, for centuries. People somehow try to fade out of eternity without trying to focus upon it. And yet we have read tonight the words of the Lord Jesus, and his focus was eternity. Do you understand that he, he stepped into time that we might be able to prepare for eternity? That's an amazing thing, isn't it? Because he was well aware of what is ahead for every one of us. We are creatures of eternity. We are going to exist forever. And that's why the most important issue of your life is to prepare for eternity. He became accountable for our guilt and our sin, that we might experience his grace. And he willingly became a man that he might be able to become our Savior. We've been hearing of This one who drew alongside of us, the word became flesh and actually dwelt among us. If I were to ask you tonight, what's the most valuable thing in your life? What would you say? If I were to ask you tonight, what is the greatest event in the history of this world? And you could go back as far as you want, 6,000 years of history. What is the greatest event in the history of this world? You'd like to come up with some kind of an answer. If I were to ask you, what, what would be the greatest tragedy that a person could ever experience? You'd like to have another answer. And we'd all have different answers, wouldn't we? But tonight, we have read the words of the very Son of God. And that's why I read in Mark chapter 9, because we have been reminded of this event of the Mount of Transfiguration. The Lord had taken three of his disciples. He had gone up into a mountain, and suddenly there appeared to him Moses and Elijah, and they were talking with him of an event soon to happen. They were talking of his exodus, of his decease, of his death, which he should accomplish at Jerusalem. Isn't that interesting? Moses spoke of of a prophet that would be raised up like unto himself that would bring about an exodus, a mighty deliverance. Elijah was a prophet that brought a nation back to God. And here they are, speaking with the Savior of the world. And as the Savior was transfigured before those disciples, his clothes were glistering like lightning. His face shone as the sun. Those disciples had never seen such a a display of glory. Peter was overwhelmed and he says, this is amazing. We should make three booths, one for Elijah, one for Moses, and one for Christ. And as he said those words, there was a voice that came from heaven. And the very God of heaven said, This is my beloved Son. Hear Him. Do you know tonight that eternity's abiding word is the Son of God, the Lord Jesus? And tonight, if we can impress one truth upon you, it's this truth. God Himself says, Hear Him. We're filled with a world of opinions. We're surrounded by all kinds of winds of belief and doctrine. But the very God of heaven says, I want you to hear him. And so we have read his words. What shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? How much is your soul worth tonight? Because I can tell you with an open Bible that the greatest possession you have is your soul that will last for eternity. What's greatest value to you. All of life's plans can come to a very, very unexpected end. That's why the Lord Jesus said, and I'm sure my audience is well aware of the truth of this verse, What shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? We have an awful difficulty understanding the truth and the value and the worth of our souls. There's so many other things that captivate our attention that we live for, try to climb the ladder of success, try to enjoy the pleasures that this world offers. This age of ours is all taken up with everything that money can buy. And they are forgetting, and they are failing to understand the worth and the value of their soul. What shall it profit you if you gain the whole world, everything in it, and you lose your own soul? You know, when I think of the of the response of the Savior to that question. I made aware that he was the very one that spoke those words because he knew the value of every soul. I think of the moment when he actually wept over a city. I do know some parents that weep over children. And I've heard some gospel preachers, and they have wept over souls. But not too many people weep over a city, but there was a moment when the Savior wept over a city that could have experienced the greatest blessing for time and eternity And they didn't understand, they didn't appreciate the time of their visitation. I could tell you of a, of a savior upon a cross and his very wounds give evidence of the worth and the value of your soul. And that's why the very focus of this meeting and the words of the Lord Jesus are focused on this great truth. What shall it profit you if you gain everything that you plan and in the end you lose your own soul? But we have read of the greatest event in the history of this world. We have read of the greatest event for all eternity. I'm well aware that many here can recall what happened in 9-11. It's, it was one of those events that we recall where we were when we got the news. Some of the older ones, including myself, remember when exactly where we were when we got the news of the assassination of President Kennedy. It was one of those events that affected the entire world. And maybe some here. Very few, but maybe one or two here would remember where they were when they got the news of the atomic bomb being dropped on Hiroshima and Nagasaki in 1945. Big events in the course of the history of this world. And as we go back into history, there are all kinds of events that had far-reaching effects. What's the greatest event for all eternity? We have read in Mark chapter 9, the very words of the Lord Jesus where he spoke about the fact that he's going to go up to Jerusalem. And he said, the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of men, and they shall kill him. And after that he is killed, he shall rise the third day. And you know, in God's scope, in God's measurement, in God's description of eternity, there is one spot that has eternal value. There's one spot that had eternal significance and still does. It's a place called Calvary. And yet that place gave evidence of the wickedness of our hearts. They shall kill him. Do you know tonight that before we can appreciate that Calvary was a work done for us, we must admit that Calvary was a work done by us. We all are guilty of the death of the Son of God. We credit for his blood. The world en masse said, away with this man, crucify him. We'll not have this man to reign over us. And you know, tonight, the world is still saying that. And if you're not saved, Fred, that really is the language of your heart. I'll not have this man to reign over me. I have my own plans. I have my own way. I have my own thoughts. I have my own philosophy. I'll do it my way. And to bow to the words of the Lord Jesus, to acknowledge that he has a claim upon my life. To obey his word and to acknowledge my need is the farthest thing from the minds of many a person. But tonight, friend, that is the greatest need. And yet this world rose up en masse against the Savior. The Bible says, they that hate me without a cause are more than the hairs of my head. Can you tell me one reason, just one reason, why they should have hated Christ? Everywhere he went, he brought blessing. Everywhere he went, he showed wonderful grace. Everywhere he went, he was no respecter of persons. We, we choose our friends. We choose those that we associate with. There are some people that we likely won't want to company with. But he never segregated himself from anyone. In fact, he could say, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. And yet despite the kindness and the grace and the power and the miracles and the blessing that he brought to thousands, the human heart said, away with him. I will not be born again. I will not acknowledge my need of salvation. I don't want to acknowledge Christ as my Savior. I will go my own way. And he spoke about the fact that the most critical moment in the history of this world, and for all eternity, was the moment when they nailed the Son of God to a cross. They shall kill him. You know, if the Lord Jesus came back tonight, they'd do the very same thing. The world's attitude toward Christ has not changed. And yet in that moment of absolute wickedness, it was the greatest display of God's love, of God's provision. God so loved the world, we're hearing already, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And even as they were nailing the Lord Jesus to the cross, what an awful deed to nail the very Son of God to a cross. Cursed is everyone that hangeth upon a tree. They had crowned him with a crowd of thorns. They had punched his face until it was unrecognizable. They had lacerated his back. They had spit into his face. They had cried away with him. And Yet in those moments of tragic hatred, God's love shone in his brightest hue. God so loved the world. God so loved sinners that he actually gave his beloved son to die upon a cross. You see, Calvary was God's plan. Calvary was God's provision. Calvary is God's focus for the ages. And you know, there's really going to come a day, a million years from now, and you know what Christians will be thinking of? They'll look back to that place called Calvary and they'll say, thank God for the cross. Thank God for the man who died there for us. And we will look upon the Lamb of God in our midst. And we will see the wounded man of Calvary. The wounds are there forever. It really took place. What we did to him. And yet what he provided for us. They shall kill him. But friend that's not the end of the story. He shall rise the third day. And tonight Calvary. Is the greatest place for all of history. And could I just mention this as I close. If you die without Christ. You'll be reminded forever of a place and of a person that was willing to meet your need for all eternity. He died for sinners. He died for ungodly sinners. And tonight, that work is sufficient to meet your need for all eternity. But I think of the closing words of Mark chapter 9, some of the most solemn words that the Lord Jesus spoke. If thy hand offend thee, cut it off. If thy foot offend thee, cut it off. If thy eye offend thee, pluck it out. It is better for thee to go into life maimed than having two hands, two feet, two eyes to enter into hell fire where the worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. What's the greatest loss a person could ever experience? Some lose their investments, almost like that and life suddenly changes. I won't give you the name but I I know a man, He he was a very very well-to-do man, lived in a big house, had a a number of sports cars, a success. Just a little change in business. No, nothing was illegal, just a change of business focus. And suddenly his wealth disappeared. He had to take a, a very menial job. His lifestyle was altered. A tremendous loss. But friend, that, that is not the greatest loss a person could ever experience. The Lord Jesus spoke of a moment when a person steps from time into eternity and they lose their soul Forever, where the worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. Robert Murray McShane was a gospel preacher. Died at the age of 29. Just happened to pick up his biography today and read of some of his last words. He had preached on a Sunday night, had not felt all that well, and so he went to bed with a fever. Was a fever that eventually took his life. He became almost almost delirious. And yet even in that condition of weakness and of delirium, he spoke as if he was speaking to fellow believers. One of the verses he quoted over and over again was 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. And it was the last part that he stressed, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord short time later, he began to speak as it were to the unsaved. And with a loud voice in his fever, he said, you must be awakened in time or you'll be awakened in everlasting torment to your eternal confusion. You must be awakened in time or you'll be awakened in everlasting torment to your eternal confusion. Some of the last words of a, of a young gospel preacher here's the words of the Lord Jesus. Don't let anything stand in your way concerning the salvation of your soul, because there's a moment when a person will step into eternity. And the Lord Jesus of that place is a place of unquenchable fire. The word is asbestos, can't be put out, can't be extinguished. Asbestos, unquenchable fire, not just for a million years, but for all eternity. Is it any wonder that the Lord Jesus spoke so solemnly? Is it any wonder that he wept over city? Is it any wonder that he was willing to go to a cross and suffer for sins in view of an endless, unchangeable eternity? Is it any wonder that Christians want the gospel preached? There might be souls saved for eternity. My friend tonight, I I wish you would grip me more. I wish I would live more in view of eternity. We become so time-conscious A hundred years from now, we'll all be gone. Fifty years from now, most of us will be gone. Twenty-five years from now, perhaps a good number of us will be gone. Never to come back, as far as this world is concerned. Course fixed. Destiny sealed. I'm so glad, I'm so glad. I know where I'm going. I have everlasting life because of the work of the man who died upon a cross, our Lord Jesus Christ. I trust that you will weigh things up in view of eternity. Because the Lord Jesus said, what will it profit you if you gain everything in this life and in the next you enter into everlasting fire? God preserve you and God help you to turn to Christ tonight.
0: Well, these are important things to consider, aren't they? The here and the now, it's only temporary. And as Mr. Dirksen has explained, we all need to weigh things in view of eternity. Remember, to lose your health is much, to lose your wealth is more, but to lose your soul is such a loss that nothing can restore. We invite you to come to the place where everything is put into perspective. Calvary, where the great work was done that will do you for all of eternity. It's only there that you can find your greatest gain and avoid your greatest loss. It's only there that your precious soul can be saved. If this or any of our Bible messages here at Anchor Point has made you aware of God's interest in you, or if you'd like some literature or a visit that would help you to understand these important truths, why don't you drop us a line at email at anchorpointradio.com. We'd love to hear from you. We're glad that you were able to join us at Anchor Point today. Anchor Point is sponsored by believers in Christ who are meeting at various gospel halls. Each of these Christian assemblies holds gospel services every Sunday as well as other meetings such as regular prayer and Bible studies throughout the week. No collection is ever taken and a very warm welcome awaits you. If you've been challenged by today's message and would like to know more about the truth of the gospel or of gathering under the name of our Lord Jesus Christ following New Testament principles, take a look at our website at anchorpointradio.com.